The Start On Demand. On demand. Good morning, Mackling and McNabb with you. McGarry is on holidays this week. And Loren, I want to dance right now because it is raining outside our studios. Yes, it's eerily almost apocalyptically looking looking to the west right now. You've got that mix of smoke. The sun is just rising and it's raising and it's raining. It's a wonderful sight. Oh, that's amazing. That's so great. I just went outside just before six uh, to start some of the watering on the garden beds and some of the flowers. And I just looking at it, like I feel like nothing is going to be saved this year. Like everything is just wilting and no matter what water you put or what you just hope for. I mean, I can't imagine being someone who's relying on this rain to fall and your livelihood at stake, let alone, you know, my six potato plants. So gosh, I really, I do hope that rain comes. I could, I could feel something in the air out there, but right now at my end, south of Winnipeg, it's just mostly smoke. So most of the rain is being seen north and east of the city, up or between Winnipeg and Selkirk, probably right over uh, the old homestead in North Kildonan right now. Looks like it's getting hit pretty hard, according to radar on the Environment Canada website. And then there's also a band of thunderstorms out in your old neck of the woods and in Minnedosa from Highway 1, maybe around Austin and a little bit north and, and reaching back west towards the Saskatchewan border and maybe not quite that far, maybe just up to Highway 10. And there are some lighter showers south and north of that. So maybe some good news. And on top of that, there was some rain, some heavy rain in spots of southwestern Manitoba on Saturday, correct? Yeah, and that's where we were hearing from uh, in the news run there with Jeff. And Jeff is back, so that's great. All all our vacationers coming and going. But there was a a woman... uh, I believe it was the Pipestone area, I'm just trying to verify that on the map, who really felt like she had a tornado-like storm move there. So you got the rain, but you also have the winds and the hail. And so we're going to speak with Kayla Evans after 6.15 just to give you the latest on what has fallen in terms of rain and what might come. And of course, that heat, it's honestly, it's oppressive, it feels like in some cases, depending on how close you are to water or how quickly you can access AC. And so after 8 o'clock, we're also going to talk about the heat with a former Environment Canada meteorologist. He's become a favorite of ours, I think, Greg, on this show because of, in part of the work he does, even in retirement, uh, through his Twitter account, Rob's Obs. So Rob's observations, obviously, of the weather and the heat has just been unbelievable. So we'll obviously have lots to talk about more on the heat later today. And in this heat... I feel kind of sad saying this. I was driving around, where was I going? I was running at Aaron, I want to say Friday afternoon on Skirfield, and I passed, I think it was a Taekwondo Academy, Greg. Okay. I had a big sign out front for a local Manitoban who they're cheering on at the Olympics. And I thought, oh, how great. And then I thought, man, I don't even know her name. And then I thought, how many Manitobans are, as we speak, on their way to Tokyo, in Tokyo, preparing for an achievement of a lifetime just to get there. And we have COVID. We have these delays in these games. We've got all these questions. And so I, I kind of feel for all these athletes. I mean, you don't get to do this once in most lifetimes, right? And now here you are, and you've got to really watch what you're doing over there right now. Yeah, Skylar Park, I believe, is the name of that Taekwondo athlete yeah, from Manitoba. Right. We've got Kelsey Wog, Leah Kirkman, Shay LaRoche, uh, Desiree Scott, and Tyler Mislachuk, all representing Canada, but uh, maybe wearing Manitoba underwear as they approach the Olympics in Tokyo. And yes, we'll tell you a little bit more about what's going on in Tokyo with regard to COVID-19. I had CNN on in the uh, studio just before we came on the air. I'm on Global News Morning now. As you mentioned, Kayla Evans will join us in just a few minutes to give us an update on this rain and how long we can expect it to last. Uh, But the story uh, breaking on CNN that an uh, American gymnast has tested positive for COVID-19 uh, as uh, as they make their way towards the opening of the games on Friday. So lots to discuss there. We'll take a Manitoba slant and also in having coffee talking and for the $20 gift certificate from Santa Lucia Pizza, which Olympic sport do you think, if you trained hard enough for it, could you be good at? Could be summer, could be winter games. We're, uh, we're keeping it open that way, McNabb. 
I love this question because I don't know about you, Greg. It doesn't matter whether it's winter or summer. I get super into it, and I hope I have the opportunity to do so this year because I know there are all those challenges with COVID, and all these athletes are over there without the family and friends they might have cheering them on and no one in the stands and all the rest. And I like I get into it. Like I'll be watching like the long jump and be like, ooh, I don't know, you know, I don't know if they got this, you know, or like something ridiculous. And by ridiculous, I mean I shouldn't have any say in it, right? Like I don't know what's going on with shot put, but man, do I like to think I know what's going on to shot put with shot put when I'm watching. About the only one that physically I could understand as a sport is like the swimming and the running because I can I've done them and maybe the soccer. But everything else, I love how judgy I get, like trampoline. Oh, oh, stay in the, stay, land it, stick it. And you find yourself yelling stuff at the TV and you're like, two weeks ago, I didn't have a hot clue what I was saying. I barely jump into the deep end off the one meter <laughs> springboard. And then these guys and these guys and gals are diving off the 10 meter and you're going, ah, that wasn't very tight on that uh, triple pike slash entry. You had a little bit too much splash there. Right? So yeah, it's funny how quickly Ooh, we come splash. experts <laughs> on these sorts of things. We also have a fantastic contest. Gets underway. It's a running for the next four weeks. We've already got a text message in at 78068 with a picture of horrible flooring. Our friends at Total Flooring want to help you replace some of your ugly flooring Contest gets underway today throughout the morning. We'll share with you how you can win. The first step, though, is to take a picture, send it to us at 204-780-6868, and then we'll, we'll tell you how it's going to roll out from there. As we sit around waiting for rain, or maybe you're pacing the floor waiting for rain, depending on where you are, smoke is, of course, a factor today. Smoke Hopefully not a factor in Tokyo, but of course, COVID-19 is. It's Mackling and McNabb with you, McGarry, back on a Monday. And the Olympic Games get underway on Friday. We'll be discussing the Manitoba athletes who are ready to shine across the Pacific Ocean. But, Loren, we wanted to ask a question today of our co-workers. Yeah, so I think lots of us watch the Olympics with great interest and watch sports that we probably wouldn't traditionally watch it could be the trampoline i mentioned earlier it could just be some of the athletics like the 100 meter dash but if you had a bit of training or a lot of training is there a sport when you watch summer or winter olympics that you think you might actually be good at cam poitras is here jeffrey forche is here and returning from a week of holidays is jeff braun good morning jeff Good morning. Good to hear your voice. Good to have you back at it. Why don't we start with you? Which uh, athletic endeavor do you think you could uh, tackle if you know you had the right training? Well, funnily enough, yesterday I watched for the first time uh, a movie from 1998 called Without Limits, and it's a story of middle-distance U.S. Olympic runner uh, Steve Prefontaine, and he ran the 5,000 meters. That was his race, and the more I watched that movie, the more I thought, you know, if I was to be a runner, this this is the race for me. Because like the 10,000 meter, the marathon, those are just, they're way too long. I would die before I got to the finish line for sure. <laughs> and, and the sprinting ones, I mean, you got to basically be like a, a horse out of the blocks. And I just can't do that sort of thing. But this 5,000 meter runner where they run where they, you know, do the most of it, they're just sort of kind of jogging in a pack together, sort of jockeying for position. There's all this strategy of when to pour it on near the end and that sort of thing. That's That seemed like a... As far as Olympic events goes, like the most relaxing run you could do. I, th I think I like that one. All right. It's Jeff Braun, 2024, Canada Olympic uh, representative in the 5,000 meters. Poitras, what about you? Oh, you got to go for equestrian because that's really the yes. horse. The horse is doing all the work. I'm just sitting on top. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to find a really good horse. I don't have to do any training. All right, horse, here you go. Take care of it. Take care of business. And it's all over. There you go. Gold medal. Ken Poitras has it all figured out. I like oh. that, Loren. Every person who's ever done the question is just screaming at the radio. Oh, right yeah, they're now. very <laughs> frustrated with me right now. But, uh, hey, guys, listen, if it wasn't for the horse, you wouldn't be doing anything. <laughs> Strapped to the horse for yes. Canada, yes. Cameron Poitras. I, I also have to say fencing. You know, I, I don't I don't believe like the, like, you know, there's always like this big pool. Canada, all our great athletes, most of them head into hockey, just the, the matter of our culture and stuff like that. I can't imagine a very big, like, ultimate athlete pool is into fencing, so... Um, I think I could probably clean up if I uh, if I if I put my time in a good well, path there, a clearer path, a clearer path to victory. Yes, I need to jump in here because 
because every time I watch fencing, which only happens in the Olympics, Fortier, I think of this scene. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Okay. So I recognize this is a sword fight from The Princess Bride, but every time I watch the fencing, I think, yeah, I feel like, do they exchange words quietly underneath those masks that we can't hear? Like, are they making threats? Does it feel good? Are you really, like, hitting them hard with that sword or whatever you call it? Or how does that work? I feel like it would work well for my temper. So I pick fencing, <laughs> actually, Cam. Okay. I would, I would imagine that a number of those fencers actually recite that little bit to themselves yes. right before the thing starts. <laughs> With it, just to pump name themselves is. up. I think yeah. there's way more trash talking and fencing than you guys can imagine. We can't hear it. That's right. right. We can't see their lips moving. They just learn their either. name like it's some Russian name. Like, oh, check off, prepare to die. And then they get in there and you're just like, yes. Just pretend your opponent's got six fingers on one hand. <laughs> All right, Forche, save us. Well, I was going to say rhythmic gymnastics, <laughs> just because if you've ever seen Single old school, swimming. well, if you've ever seen old school Will Ferrell, you know, he has the, the ribbon and he does the rhythmic gymnastics. And, <laughs> but then when I actually looked at the pictures, I was like, no, I cannot bend like that. I can't stretch <laughs> like that. That's not going to happen. So, you know, I think I have to go with the uh, table tennis. Table Do tennis. Table tennis. Whoa. Those guys are extreme. Incredible. Really? You think you could pull that off, Fortz? Train me up. Train me up. <laughs> Eye-hand coordination. You, you know it's not beer pong, right? You know it's actually like ping pong, table uh, tennis. I'll it's... pretend it's beer pong. All right. Very good. <laughs> the quads on those guys? Like the, the men and women who do that sport are, oh. like, no offense to any of us, but they are fit. That is an incredible sport. I like that. Mackling and McNabb with you. I don't know what you got up to this weekend. We'll talk about that in just a moment. We're asking you for your text messages at 780-6868. Which Olympic event do you think you could actually compete in? Do you think you have a chance at, at making a difference, adding to Canada's medal total, perhaps? Dare we dream? Rob says this. The Olympic sport I would excel at is... <laughs> Coxswain in the rowing competition for motivation. Pick it up, you lazy bleeps, and pass me a beer while you're at it. If you've ever done the dragon boat racing, this is the equivalent of the person that beats the drum. The coxswain, I think it's in the eight, sits at the very front and yells at everybody and, and helps them keep rhythm. What do you think about that, uh, Loren? I think that's a that's a pretty good job. I'd take Great that one. Call. I like that. I feel like it's also a place to work out your, you know, frustrations. <laughs> you might be misdirected. Another one I thought that might be fun to do because, uh, it, not because I think it's easy, but I'd like to try it, is the pole vault. Like, who comes up with these things, you the know? pole vault. Take a long pole, run with it, and then stick it in the ground and fly over the air. I think and once you got, air. I think once you got to the end of that runway, it'd be like, okay, I'm done now. <laughs> the, the, I feel I like that's the carried moment. this thing all the way. I run as fast as I could, Isn't and now you want me to? Yeah. Yes. Isn't this more just to run with this super heavy pole? I think I would get to the end and like bail every single time. Like no, 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 and then have to restart. Can I go back? I just I wasn't feeling it. Uh, I like that. You know, there's uh, very few places to to practice the pole vault in Manitoba. Uh, I I know a guy who did the pole vault. One of my best buddies back in the day when we used to high jump against each other, but he could not talk me into the pole vault. Hey, uh, how was your weekend? Of course, we are, have been hoping for rain. It was hot. It was sticky. We had some rain in southwest Manitoba. We'll talk about that later on in the program and and uh, also getting some reports of some rain around southern Manitoba this morning. In fact, uh, West sent us a text message. Loren says, lightning and heavy rain in Morris. He says his roofing crew is going to sit that one out. So I think a lot of us would have liked some rain to wash away away uh, some of the dust to give our flowers, our lawns, and of course those crops that so badly need the rain. But one place probably happy not to see it from a selfish point of view are patios. Of course, restaurants uh, were closed for so long and now maybe gathering some momentum in terms of making up for some of that lost revenue, Loren. For sure. And restrictions are easing. So more people were in theaters this weekend for the first time in months. You could have people in your house for the first time in months. And of course, yeah, masks are still required indoors at business establishments. But 
It's why our next guest went to Great Lakes to create those expanded patio presents at Finn McCool's location in Winnipeg. If you're dining on the patio, of course, you can eat with people in or outside your household. No vaccine proof required, Greg. Not the case if you want to go inside. If you want to dine indoors with people outside your home, you have to have two doses of the vaccine and, of course, that two-week waiting period. And you need proof, either that physical card or the QR code, which you can get on your phone through the provincial website. Jay Kilgore uh, owns a couple of Finns in uh, Winnipeg. And, uh, Jay, we called you this morning because of your tweet. I mean, your Twitter, you're a fantastic follow, period, (laughs) dot. But the fact that you declared... That you had your first forged QR codes really caught our attention. Tell us the story, man. Yeah. Um, well, I we had a group of four come in and uh, we scanned their QR codes. And uh, when when we when we do scan a QR code, it shows us uh, whether it's valid or not, and then it uh, gives us the name. And all the QR codes from the group were valid, but two of them showed up with the same name, and it wasn't the same name as was which was on their phone so uh it looked like well they were using screenshots and they looked like they just uh imposed their name over top of whatever name the qr code came with so uh we we did give them the benefit of the doubt like i'm, I'm sure that the the system has to have some flaws but uh we can't chance that so we, we gave them some free appetizer cards and told them to call manitoba health to get it figured out so you didn't let them in in the end, then? No, we can, we can't chance it. It's uh, it would be like we could leave ourselves open to a fine. So, um, unfortunately, not. We did offer them the patio, but uh, that wasn't uh, an option for them. So, we just I, I apologized and let them know that we can't take the chance and told them they need to get it figured out with Manitoba Health. So, Jay, what are you hearing from? Other from customers about experiences they're having elsewhere. What are you hearing through the grapevine? Because I have a, a, a one for sure firsthand, and I think two firsthand experiences with restaurants, major chains, in fact, not checking QR codes. Are you hearing about this? Yeah, I, I've heard a little bit. Um, honestly, there's so many steps to service right now that uh, um, I'm. Yeah, I don't want to play the blame game, but uh, um, I've just my wife and I too. We've ex- we've we've experienced uh, um, some of that as well. But uh, I think you just need to, you know, you don't know how overworked the host is at the moment. Um, we're putting a lot of pressure on hospitality staff right now, and um, just like anything, there some things might fall through the cracks at a, at a certain time, and you just you don't know what the, that that staff's going through in the moment. So. Um, you know, we've we've got a lot of uh, responsibility that we're placing on um, staff like that right now. So I think that they deserve a little bit of a break on it. Are customers being fairly decent when you ask for that? Yeah. Because, it's, you know, that's that's another part of it, right? I know some people were saying in the restaurant biz, they didn't even want to go through this. They didn't want to have the headache of having to sort of police all of this. Yeah, and it's a big job, but I keep people keep asking me that question, and it's better than being closed. So, um you know, you just, you deal with it. And uh, a lot of people are, it, it's amazing. Like, if you think about it, there's roughly about where, where we're at with vaccinations right now. Every every day, there's about 15,000 more people that have their QR code. Um, and the best is when they're walking up to the restaurant and you can, you can see them getting out their phones and they've just got a big smile on their face because they're meeting friends they haven't seen in a long time. So um, the, the guests, uh, the guests and their reaction to being able to see their friends um, lately is probably the best part of what we do. Yeah, we went as a family to our first meal uh, two Fridays ago, and then yesterday got together with uh, two sets of friends indoors at a restaurant. We all had our QR codes, and I got to tell you, it felt so good. So uh, th- there is that e- emotional payback, Jay, with everything that you've been through over the last several months of, of bringing people together right now. Absolutely. Like, I feel so lucky that we get to witness that every day. And uh, it's just the reunions have been the best part of um, every day. It's been it's been awesome. People are seeing their seeing their parents for the first time in in months, people seeing their friends for the first time in maybe a year. And uh, it's overall the response to, um, you know, dining in and 
whatever they have to go through to do it has been fantastic. Jay, uh, just uh, let our listeners know where your uh, two locations are before we let you run. For sure. Um, Finn's Grant Park, uh, just in the parking lot of Grant Park Mall, and uh, um, Finn McCool's Crossroads, which is on Regent Avenue. And uh, we've got some. We've got two very large extended patios that we've built uh, at each location, um, very spaced out, and uh, it, it's, it's been great. Can you give uh, the gentleman you were uh, paying homage to for getting uh, the patio together at Grant Park uh, just really quick before we let you run? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's my new friend Daljeet, and uh, he built me 30 picnic tables in about 11 days. <laughs> and, That's incredible. Uh, very, very thankful for him. Right on. We're thankful for you, Jay. Thanks for uh, bringing us uh, inside a little bit uh, in the restaurant world. It's been a difficult time, and you've done a wonderful job in uh, keeping abreast uh, all of us of what's happening in your world. Thank you, sir. Anytime. Thanks very much. On Friday, a very special honour bestowed upon two Canadian athletes. Yeah, of course, it's going to be a bit different this year in terms of how ceremonies go, where they bring in those flags, because, of course, there's all sorts of uh, different rules because of COVID. But women's basketball player Miranda Yim and men's rugby sevens player Nathan Hirayama have been named Canada's flag bearers for the opening ceremony of the Tokyo Olympics. And, of course... That's what we want to talk about right now, Greg. That's right. Just uh, following our question of the day reminder brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca or call them 204-987-6890. Our question of the day at cjob.com right now, it's looking like Canada might open the border to some fully vaccinated travelers come mid-August. How do you feel about that? Get this, 67% of you are saying not good, it's too soon, especially given what's happening in the United States, 33% since there's only two options. That makes sense in terms of math. Good. Time to get tourism back to the country. Vote on question of the day at cgob.com, globalnews.ca. We'll have a new question of the day as we make our way throughout the day today. As we mentioned, the games themselves are taking place 12 months later than originally scheduled to run. There will be no fans in the stands and there are already athletes who have tested positive for COVID-19. However, the Olympics are just four days away and several Manitoba athletes represent excellent opportunities for Canadian success. Janet McMahon is the president and CEO of Sport Manitoba and our guest this morning. Morning, Janet. Good morning. Let's just start. We want to get into all the Manitobans we want to keep an eye on because, of course, we like like to cheer for Canadians, but it's nice to cheer for that homegrown talent. But I'm guessing the send-off this year was a bit different, A, given that delay that Greg just referenced. But, of course, so many things will be so very different when it comes to these games. And so how were the athletes feeling as they, they left or make their way over there over the next few days? Well, I think you're right. It was a very different experience. They usually stage and, and all sort of depart together. This time people were, you know, being tested uh, 96 hours and 72 hours before they left. And many of them were already in Europe uh, and traveled directly to Japan. So it was a very different staging for most of the athletes this year. Janet, Manitobans obviously do incredibly well at uh, Winter Olympic Games. We have some uh, an incredible history of, of success and, and bringing home medals in winter sports, but also in summer sports. And this year looks as though uh, Manitobans wearing the Canadian flag have an opportunity to do some very special things. Why don't we start in the pool with Kelsey Wogg? Well, Kelsey's had a really great year considering she hasn't spent a ton of time at competition or a ton of time in the pool with all the restrictions. But she had a personal best at when she qualified. So um, Kelsey is definitely somebody to watch out for. We've got cycling on the list. We've been asking listeners uh, what sport they would love to participate in if they had been given the right training. Cycling, I guess, one of these things for Leah that you could still do, still practice if it was outdoors. Is she an indoor or outdoor track rider? She's a road cyclist, so she does uh, real distances and that sort of thing. So, and again, Leah, um, you know, she's a, one of our veterans. Um, she's going into another Olympics, and um, again, she's been training most of the season overseas. So, uh, yeah, I think Leah will be a good one to watch out. The other one would be Tyler Maslachuk. Mm. Uh, Tyler had a, an amazing race just recently, and again, you know, this is uh, he's a veteran to, to the Olympics, so 
um, you know, we've had some success previously in triathlon. So again, I think Tyler, we're all hoping uh, the best for him. And again, we also have, you know, some younger um, uh, Skylar Park, who's definitely a Winnipeg product and coached by her father. Um, she's had a really great season and really great, um, but it'll be her first time coming to the Olympics. And I think a very different scenario for her with uh, you no know, crowds and just not the same kind of atmosphere that there sometimes is around that. I was going to ask about her because I was driving down. I think it must be the location on Skirfield, the Taekwondo uh, studio there. And I just drove past with that sign on there. And I thought, oh, there must be so much pride coming out of there. But it's also different for the families, Janet, in terms of how they're able to experience this or not necessarily experience this as they might like with their children. Yeah, like, uh, you know, parents can't really go. I mean, Skylar's lucky because her brothers are her training partners and her dad's a coach, so they do travel a lot together and do a lot as a family. But for some of the athletes, um, you know, the best they're going to get is, you know, sort of by virtual, you know, eventually following their event or their race or whatever. So um, it'll be a, a different experience. But it, but I think just the opportunity to go to the Olympics, to go to Tokyo, which has had so much uh, change around it, from get-go, um, you know, they've trained so hard and they're so motivated that just the opportunity to go will be just so inspiring for them. Shayla Roche uh, competing in water polo. That's got to be one of the most physically demanding sports on the planet. <laughs> and, of course, Desiree Scott, once again, uh, suiting up for Team Canada uh, and has just really become one of the all-time great soccer players in Canadian history, plain and simply. Uh, Janet, for those that don't understand the investment in sport and, and the reason for holding games like the Olympics. And we can put all the negative things about the Olympics aside just for a few moments, but events like the Western Canada Summer Games or, or, or the, the Canada Games, why is it so important that we invest in, in athletics and giving our young people an opportunity to excel and be the best they can be uh, and not have to leave Manitoba necessarily? Well, it, you know, so many of these athletes are people who were, you know, came to the sport and fell in love with it and worked, have worked for years and years, you know, honing their skills. And, and if you speak to them, they'll talk about uh, just the passion that they bring and how important it's been to them in terms of the quality of life. So you're right. Some of the development steps along the way with Western Canada and Canada Games are incredibly great training ground for something like the Olympics because, you don't get that opportunity. A single sport international or world event is not the same as going to games where you have all these sports you know, and athletes that you live with and participate around. So it's really important for us in Manitoba to continue to support our, our high-performance athletes, but also to get people back to sport and get people participating. You know, there's always a, a bit of a surgence in registration and things like gymnastics and swimming after an Olympics because they're so inspiring to young uh, children watching these athletes perform, you know, to the best of their ability, um, putting out such effort and so committed to their training. You make a great point there, Janet, about the way that these events can draw new people into the sport. But we're also reading over the past few days that because of COVID, there might be kids that choose not to go back to sport because it's been so long since they've played. And what a shame that will be for all sorts of reasons, let let alone, you know, just our heart and health and all the rest, but just the camaraderie that can come with sport, whether it be individual or team. We want kids to get back into sport regardless of this past year. Right. And there's so many great benefits. I mean, you talk about even, you know, the mental health benefits mm-hmm. from sport and the, and the, you know, things like time organization and things like, you know, long life friendships. So I think we will see. I think people are being cautious and that's a good thing with what's going on. But eventually, I think a lot of people are going to say, I want to get back and participate, even if it is at a recreational level. Maybe I don't want to invest so many hours training every week, but I want to go and be with my friends and, and participate in sport. Janet McMahon, President and CEO of Sport Manitoba. Thanks for joining us at this early hour, Janet. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, good luck to all Manitoba athletes wearing the Maple Leaf in Tokyo. Thanks again. Yeah, we'll be cheering them on.
Mackling and McNabb McGarry returns next week. The Manitoba government is rewriting history. This according to one of now uh, two former senior bureaucrats. Two Indigenous men have quit their positions on the Manitoba Economic Development Boards in the wake of controversial remarks made by Premier Brian Pallister and a cabinet minister, including the former treaty included in this, the former treaty commissioner for Manitoba. So the resignations are of Jamie Wilson and Daryl Brown, and they form the latest chapter in this fallout from Pallister's comments on Canadian history, which have drawn widespread criticism. Until last week, Brown was on the government-appointed board of directors of the Rural Manitoba Economic Development Corporation. Wilson was board chair of a similar agency in the north, the Communities Economic Development Fund. Canadian Press reporter Steve Lambert has the one who has been breaking this story and joins us now. Hi, Steve. Hi. So what, what, the reason why, what are these men telling you in terms of why they had to go? Well, Jamie Wilson says uh, that he feels the, the government is rewriting history, and this goes back to the Premier's remarks about a week and a half ago uh, when the Premier said uh, that people who came to Canada both before and after it was a country did not come to destroy anything but came to build up things. And that quickly um, grew condemnation from many Indigenous leaders who said the, the, that downplayed or perhaps even glorified uh, colonization and didn't uh, recognize the fact that Indigenous uh, cultures and languages were, were destroyed. Um, and the fallout from that, of course, was a, a cabinet shuffle. The Premier's uh, then-Indigenous Relations Minister, Eileen Clark, resigned. He, uh, she was replaced by Alan Lajemodier late last week. And Lajemodier was sworn in for about an hour before he uh, got into trouble by um, defending some of the intent behind residential schools. And that, that was the last straw uh, for, for Brown. Uh, Daryl Brown said um, a lot of it's an accumulation of things that the government has done that has driven him to resign his position from his, appointed, uh, from his board appointment. But that uh, comment from Lajemodier for him was the last straw, and he's calling for changes at the at the top of the Progressive Conservative Party. It's not just bureaucrats speaking out. Uh, of course, Steve, there are members of the caucus that have spoken out in the last several days. Family Minister uh, Rochelle Squires has spoken up, troubled by, quote, recent events and comments. Tory backbencher Shannon Martin said he wanted to clear up any, quote, confusion by saying residential schools were designed to erase Indigenous cultures and in too many instances lives. And also we've heard from Conservation and Climate Minister Sarah Guimard, who uh, said residential schools were designed to erase a culture. Are we seeing a little bit of a revolt here? Well, we're certainly seeing a crack in in what would normally be very tight uh, caucus solidarity. The deal when you go into politics is that you go into a caucus meeting behind closed doors, you yell and scream and have it out uh, if, if need be, and then you emerge and to the public you present a united front. And these, these comments, none, none of the people you mentioned in, uh, on their tweets uh, last week did not directly criticize Premier Pallister, but uh, what was striking to me was that these tweets appeared, had all the hallmarks of things that had not been cleared by the central communications branch of, uh, of government, that had not been uh, drafted or approved by communications staff. These were clearly three of the Tory politicians coming out and wanting to put something uh, personal on the record and, and not having it cleared centrally. So that, that is a tell that there is some dissension going on, and where it goes from here, um, it, it could grow for sure. Yeah, they wanted to perhaps put something personal on the record, Steve, but potentially, and we won't know their intentions, but maybe create some distance because... You know, coming up, whether it's short term in the months ahead or in the years ahead, of course, we're, we will have another election. You yourself have asked the Premier Pallister, you know, is he going to stay on for the full four terms, which would take him to 2023? Does this change where thoughts might be internally in terms of the need for a leadership change? Where are we uh, with that? I don't know, because he he told CJOB, he told many people when he was running for the, the last election that he was committed to serving a full term. And then last December, all of a sudden the messaging on that changed and he would only commit so far as seeing out the pandemic. So a lot of people have taken that to mean that, 
that this fall, uh, sometime October, November, he might he might uh, retire. He doesn't need the money. He's of an age when most people retire. He's in his uh, later 60s now, um, and he's financially secure. He could afford to walk into the sunset, and his polling numbers are so low. So the, there's, there's obviously some interest uh, in, in some parts of the province in seeing him go, given the very low polling numbers. Uh, will he be? Will he walk into the sunset, as it were, this fall? Will there be some pressure on him to go uh, to go earlier to give the party more time to rebound before that October 2023 election? It remains to be seen. But um, yeah, the, the the tweets that we're seeing now point to that there is point to tension behind closed doors for sure. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb with you. Brett McGarry on holidays this week. Brett, go back to bed. I noticed you on Twitter earlier. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> like, seriously, dude. Hey, uh, I know weather could uh, play a big part in the plans that Brett has for his week off. And we had hoped for a heavy downpour in the Winnipeg area this morning. Varying reports, Loren. Not sure if any neighborhoods feel like they got it. Yeah, and I'm not sure if I can recall a day in the summer over the past few years where so many people have been texting into us to tell us not about the weather and the crazy events, but the lack of it, right? The lack of rain, the hope that they'd get rain. But of course, that heat continues to linger. And as you mentioned, that smoke. Rob Paula is a former meteorologist with Environment Canada. And as we always like to mention, a great follow on Twitter under Rob's OBS. Good morning, Rob. Uh, good morning, Warren. Let's start with the rain. Have we seen anything significant either in Winnipeg or somewhere else in Manitoba over the last 48 hours? Uh, yeah, early this morning, um, we had uh, several bands of uh, thunderstorms bringing uh, significant rainfall to some areas of southern Manitoba. Unfortunately, uh, missed Winnipeg area itself uh, saw some heavier cells go just north and east of the city, uh, about 14 or 15 millimeters in Selkirk and uh, east of uh, uh, Winnipeg. Uh, there was also another really heavy band out towards Nipua Eden area. Uh, they picked up almost 50 millimeters of rain uh, early this morning. And uh, we see that thunderstorm uh, activity continue to push south and east uh, this morning, now down towards the U.S. border. So some areas getting another a quick another 10 to 20 millimeters uh, early this morning. But uh, as, as we saw here in Winnipeg, it's a hit and miss thing. So some areas seeing some substantial rain, but uh, others missing out on it. Rob, I noticed that you tweeted out uh, late last week, uh, just west of Grand Forks, just this little supercell, if I could call it that, uh, where they got about nine inches in rain in short order. But that was about it. It would have been nice if that had been spread out, maybe a little bit more uh, distributed nicely across North Dakota. Southwestern Manitoba Saturday, we saw some stormy weather and some decent uh, precipitation levels in that part of the province. Uh, that's correct. Um, uh, West, southwestern Manitoba has had uh, a couple of um, periods of uh, good thunderstorm and, and uh, thund- shower activity that's giving them some substantial rainfall in some areas. Um, but we, we would like to see kind of more widespread uh, general rainfall, uh, giving um, general rainfall to most areas of southern Manitoba. Right now, it's more uh, scattered, localized areas of heavy precip. Let's talk about the heat, Rob. I know we spoke to you about a week ago about the number of days we were seeing above 30. We had another one in Winnipeg yesterday and we'll likely see more this week. I mean, are we on pace to potentially break a record for the most days above 30 seen in uh, Winnipeg or Manitoba summer? Well, as of yesterday, um, we've had 20 so far this year, uh, which is which matches all of our 33 days last year. On average, we usually see about 13 uh, per year, so we're well above average, and we're only about halfway through the summer. Um, the record uh, number of 30 Celsius days in one year for Winnipeg was back in 1988, a very hot, uh, dry summer. Uh, that We had 35 that year. So uh, we still have to get another 15 or so to, to match that, but if the uh, current hot weather pattern continues, 
uh, we can certainly make a, a drive towards that mark. Yeah, 88, I remember. I was I was framing houses and building decks that summer. I remember it very, very well, Rob. Uh, smoke advisory, obviously, uh, this is because of forest fires. Uh, which forest fires are affecting us here in Winnipeg? We've got that northeast wind today. So is that closer to uh, Ontario, northwest Ontario uh, border uh, situation? Yeah, there's uh, several fires in uh, east of Lake Winnipeg um, uh, towards the Ontario border and then some very serious fires around Red Lake. Uh, so we had that uh, uh, shift in the wind uh, early this morning. Uh, we had southerly all weekend bringing in those hot temperatures. But now the winds have swung around to, into the north behind a weak cold front that's been generating these uh, thunderstorms. Uh, and for the next couple of days, we're going to see that northerly flow bring that smoke into uh, southern Manitoba and Red River Valley, which is uh, bringing very poor air quality uh, uh, levels. And as a result, uh, air quality statements uh, advisories are in effect for Winnipeg and southern Manitoba due to the smoke. Weather just making headlines really all over the world, Rob. Of course, we had the forest fires in BC. We've been talking a lot about drought situations, Saskatchewan and Manitoba, and then um, um, the, the pictures out of Europe of the flooding there right now that have tilled, killed at least 157 in Germany alone are just really remarkable. And we're, you know, we're still not even to the end of July here in terms of what's going on. Is there something that we're seeing in terms of a shift? Is it, you know, we talked a lot about climate change in the last few months, but uh, wind patterns, anything else just contributing to what we're seeing right now in terms of these really extreme conditions? Yeah, it's almost like the climate has just been turbocharged uh, this year. So, uh, I mean, we, we we do see, you know, heavy rainfalls and, and heat waves in any normal summer in the Northern Hemisphere, but this year it really seems like they've been uh, turbocharged with extra heavy rainfall, extra uh, high heat, uh, and that's exasperating um, drought situations, wildfire situations, and where you are getting uh, heavy rainfalls, it's even that more extreme. Uh, a warmer climate can hold more moisture. Uh, the atmosphere can hold more moisture. So if you do get patterns where you do get heavy rainfall, it can result in even heavier rainfalls than you've seen in the past. So it's kind of what we're seeing uh, right now in, in uh, the summer around the globe is a warmer, uh, wetter atmosphere that is contributing to hotter, ho- uh, hotter highs, more extreme heat, and where you are getting rain, more extreme rainfall, which can lead to ca- catastrophic flooding as we've seen in Germany. Rob, always appreciate your insight. Rob Paula, uh, formerly a meteorologist with Environment Canada. You can follow him on Twitter at RobsObs, R-O-B-S-O-B-S. This won't be the last time we hear from you this summer, Rob. We appreciate it very much. Okay, you're welcome. We want to hear from our listeners which Olympic sport they think that they could pull off if they had a little bit of training, a little bit of help. My buddy Tony always said, you know, I resent the fact that they call the winner of the Olympic 100-meter race the fastest man in the world. That's just the fastest guy who decided that he could be fast. Maybe some of us could have won that race if we tried a little bit harder. So yeah. he, just, he just says he's that's the fastest guy who decided to compete. How do you feel about that uh, that oh, point of view? I don't know. When you look at what those guys and women and men can do, I mean, come on, that's it's, I can't run that fast for ten seconds, and I no no way. And I and I love how people also too when you watch this and you think if I had the right training, I really think I could do it. Like the listener who said, if I won the lottery, I would hire three of the best curlers in Canada make a team to win gold in the Olympics. I would train for a year, learning only how to throw the first two guards. I would do nothing else. Call no shots, no sweeping, and I think we'd have a good chance to win a medal. So they're basically saying if three of the four were Olympic quality and they were the fourth, that they'd still, they still could make it. If you say so, maybe you just want to be the fifth. That would be even maybe even the better <laughs> way, way to go. Call me down once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think your intern here is your best. Yep, go for it. Yeah, yeah, just... Actually, you know what? Whatever you guys think, I'm that's what you should beer. do. Yeah, I'll be <laughs> over there. Uh, individual game tickets, by the way, to all Winnipeg Blue Bomber home games go on sale to the general public. 
this morning, 10 a.m. You can go online or call 204-784-7448. Of course, August 5th, the first game. And want to remind you of our question of the day brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca or give them a call, 204-987-6890. It's looking like Canada might open the border to some fully vaccinated travelers come mid-August. How do you feel about it? You can weigh in, CJOB. Com. Now, another busy weekend in sports as we are just a few days from the opening of the Tokyo Olympics, Loren. It's our weekly visit with the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We say hello to Bob Irving. Bob, any rain on your morning walk today? Uh, it rained before I went out for my walk and it was pleasant to see some rain lying on the streets and the air smelled so fresh. I don't think we got enough to make much difference here, but it was, a, it was nice to see. I want to ask you what's standing out for you as we enter week two of Blue Bomber training camp. But before we get into that, have the athletes talked at all, the players talked at all about just the smoke that's been on and off in the air? Is that causing any challenges for any of them? There was a little discussion about it yesterday, Loren, but it hasn't been bad enough to to be an issue. You know, if it did become an issue, then I think they'd have to change their approach to practice. Uh, I think the Calgary Stampeders, I was told last week, canceled a practice because of the concern they had about smoke from forest fires in Alberta. But no, it's not been an issue here so far. So looking at training camp, and we're now in week two, what's standing out or who maybe is standing out for you, Bob? Well, you know, it's mostly the veteran players who are standing out. There are a lot of these guys having great camps. Kenny Lawler, Nick Dembski, Zach Kolaris looks like a million dollars, and then some you know, there's still so many rookies here. There's still 98 players here. They're going to make some cuts either later today or tomorrow, I'm told. But it won't be very many. It'll be nine or ten uh, unless they decide to send more out there. Again, it's uh, a camp where there's so much competition, where the players look like they're all about on the same level. And uh, we're just kind of waiting for somebody to bust out and you know, put their head and shoulders above everybody else, but it hasn't happened yet. And yet Mike O'Shea is very happy with things. He says we got great competition in the, uh, the secondary. They have 26, 27 defensive backs still here. So the coaches are very pleased. But in terms of one new player just sort of busting out and making everybody say, whoa, did you see that? It hasn't happened. What has happened with me is I look at the veteran players from 2019, the players on the Grey Cup team, and they all look really good. Bob, we run a promo here, and I'm not sure which Blue Bomber says it, but he says you can't make the club from the tub. And one player that a lot of folks were excited to see, we haven't really seen at all. He's missed six straight practices now. Cam Meredith, the wide receiver, uh, the former NFL player. You have mentioned him in your sports this morning. Just maybe talk about in general how difficult it is for players that get injured early in training camp to, to hold on to a spot, uh, even in the intermediate term here. Well, if you're Darvin Adams or... Andrew Harris, and you get hurt early in camp, no sweat, Greg, because they know what you can do. You're a 1,000-yard receiver. You're a 1,000-yard rusher. You're a proven commodity. If you're Cam Meredith, nobody here cares if you caught 66 passes for the Chicago Bears five years ago. They want to see what you can do now. Uh, And if you don't get healthy, if you're injured in camp and you're a rookie with uh, an unknown background or you haven't proven anything anywhere, then your chances of making the team become extremely slim. It's very simple, and that's where the slogan, you can't make the club from the top, meaning the, the cold tub where you're trying to you know, help your injuries get uh, better quicker. Uh, you know, and it's so true. It's, uh, Michael Shea said it yesterday, being available is an asset. Being available is an asset. And if you're hurt all the time and they can't see what you can do, well, you're going to be sent home. I just wanted to jump in there because a lot of people will say the top ability is availability. Yeah, no, that's right. That's the line O'Shea used yesterday. He was asked about it. You know, what chances do guys have if they're hurt? He said, well, they're not very good. End of story. Mm. Well, speaking of availability, we're looking towards Wednesday and the Seattle expansion draft takes place. And there's lots of big names, Bob, available Mm. for the 32nd franchise. Let's start with Carey Price of Montreal, is he actually going anywhere? He's technically available for Seattle to snap up, but he's got a pretty big salary. Yeah, he does. I, I don't think Seattle will take him. I don't think that Montreal would have exposed Carey Price unless they had an agreement 
with Seattle not to take him. Uh, now, I might be wrong there, but I just can't imagine they would do that. And I'm sure they went to Carey Price and said, look, we want to protect Jake Allen, who is their other goalie, who they really like and who had a very good year. Uh, and we're going to expose you, but we have a deal with Seattle. They're not going to pick you. I hope you understand. <laughs> I, I expect that Price will understand. I tell you, it'll be a shocker if Seattle does take him. It'll be the story of the expansion draft if that happens. And then the Jets, uh, you, you're talking side deal to not pick Price. Dylan DeMello, lots of hand-wringing uh, in Jets Nation about the fact that he was not protected. Do you see him going somewhere? Do you think Kevin Sheveldayoff has something up his sleeve in order to make sure DeMello stays a Winnipeg Jet? I'm, first of all, Greg, I'm surprised at the hand-wringing. I, the Jets couldn't let Logan Stanley go. They just couldn't. And so if Dylan DeMello is the price, I mean, that's unfortunate. But... Logan Stanley has way too much upside. He's 22 years old. We saw the improvement this year. There's every reason to believe he will get better as he as he plays more. He's big. He's strong. I mean, there's no way in the world you let that guy go, in my opinion. Now, Dylan DeMello's a solid, rock-solid guy. I don't know if Dayoff's got a deal on the side or not. I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Again, we won't find that out for two or three days. It's either DeMello or Mason Appleton who will be uh, likely taken by the Seattle Kraken and the Jets. Every team's going to lose a good player, and that's the way it was in the Vegas draft, and that's the way it's going to be in this draft. But, uh, boy, you know, if you'd asked me, uh, should they expose Logan Stanley, I'd have screamed, no way. Normally, Bob, I'm all about encouraging people to get outside and enjoy the summer, but so hot over the weekend, people might have been happy to stay in the A.C., and so, therefore, sitting on the couch to watch the British Open might not have been the worst idea. One of the good guys claiming the uh, claret jug. Well, Colin Morikawa is one of the young stars, Lorena, on the PGA Tour. He won it by two shots over Jordan Spieth. He's only 24 years old. He's won two majors now. Lorena, if you had a daughter, Colin Morikawa, from everything I've heard about him, is the kind of young man you would like to see your daughter bring home to introduce to you and your husband. He's just a real first-rate kid. I call him a kid. He's 24. I call people in their 20s kids. Uh, and he's a terrific young golfer, as his witnesses play yesterday, and what he's accomplished in a short time on the PGA Tour. He's not just a rising star at 24, he is a star already, and he played brilliantly yesterday. Bob, we got to let you run. We could do this for probably an hour, but you have responsibilities. We have responsibilities. We'll let you go. <laughs> we'll catch up with you, if not later in the week, for sure, uh, next Monday at the same time. Thanks for all you're doing. Thanks for the updates from training camp. Have a great one, my friend. I'm always available. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.